Creeps, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is that somebody, and I mean me, got offered a summer camp counselor job. The bad news is I didn't accept it because it couldn't fulfill my one requirement that I needed to have an enjoyable summer camp counselor experience, which was that there would be no threat of being sliced open by Cropsy. Because this month on The Girls Who Cried Be Horror, we're covering The Burning. The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. Hi, creeps. Welcome back to another episode. As always, I am Anya. Hi, I'm Alex. I'm excited to talk slashers today. Yes, Yay. this is our, um, it's our, I, I'm trying to think. I think I'm correct in saying this. It's our first summer camp horror film that we're doing that is not a part of the sleepaway camp. I was going to say, girl, you're talking about It's our first one. Yes. We've never talked about summer camp before on here. Yeah, I um, think that's right. Yeah, which is exciting because I think um, in the past seasons, I mean, even though like to start the season, we did sleepaway camp three. Mm-hmm. Um I've been like, well, like, we already tackled, like, the, the subgenre of, you know, slasher summer camp. So, you know, mm-hmm. let's mix it up. But um, as I said at the opening, I was, I was like, struggling. I was like, oh, it's always so hard to pick sometimes the episode because there's so many things that I'd love to talk about on the pod. And I did interview for a summer camp counselor job, and I got the job. And I was like, oh, my God, well, this will be perfect because I'll get the job. And I'll be able to talk about being a summer camp counselor, like, <laughs> on the pod. It'll go perfect. It's perfect timing um but I did not accept the position at the end for many reasons including the fact that they were you know paying the boys camp counselors um mm-hmm. about 50 percent more than they're paying the girls counselors and mind you the, ma- the amount they're paying Bullshit. everybody is is not enough it's not even minimum wage um so that aside um I was just like my fantasy to be a summer camp counselor, which I've always I've had for a very long time. I when I was little, it went from being like I am my idea of summer camp is like my Wednesday Adams view because it's like mm-hmm. when you're a certain age where it's like if I went to camp, I wouldn't be a counselor, I would be a camper. I don't fucking want that. So I will Wednesday Adams this bitch and burn it to the ground and make everybody suffer, like truly. But then when I got to the age where it's like, well, if I went to camp, I'd be a counselor. And obviously, like my only intake of like summer camp content is um pretty much 80s horror movies with summer camp counselors mm-hmm. i was like yeah like i want to run around in little booty shorts i wanted to like maybe have a little romance with a camp like another counselor and like i want to live in fear <laughs> that like jason's gonna fucking trudge out of the water and like slash somebody in half and it's just like modern summer camp is not gonna give that to me it's yeah. gonna blow honestly. i think you've you've unfortunately missed your your prime opportunity it's the but same yeah, way I mean, where we talked about how we both want to work at like a video rental store. Yeah. And Ugh, that time is that coming on. Devastating. Yeah. I don't think that I've ever in my life wanted to ever go to a, a sleepaway camp because I'm just like such a homebody. I don't ever no. want to sleep for an extended period of time somewhere that is not my home. But also like I don't fuck with bugs. I don't like being outside. I don't like activities and sports. It's just like very much not my scene. If I was a counselor and they were like – oh, well, don't worry. You're going to do like the bare minimum and then you're going to flirt and just like do whatever you want and be like a cool, sexy girl, maybe. But And if you were in an 80s summer camp movie, that's all you have to do. No fucking rules. Who gives a fuck what you're doing? Mm -hmm. Go ahead and fuck in the mess hall during like lunch. No one's going to stop. Like literally like, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, 
yeah, that's why my fantasy now, which does feel somewhat attainable, is like my dream is like, because also, as you're saying, like, I'm a homebody and there's part of me that's like, I would even as a counselor, I feel like be like, I miss my friends. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, I'm with all these people I don't know. Um, where I'm like, my dream is to like rent like a big, beautiful, like lake house. And like all my friends go, and we have a long weekend and like we get up to trouble, blah, 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 blah. And also maybe we live in fear that someone's going to come kill us. <laughs> um, that's my fantasy. And I'm not apologizing for it. That sounds like a good time to me. Yeah. But as we said, uh, we are talking about uh, 1981's The Burning uh, this, almost said this year, Jesus, this month on uh, The Girls Who Cried Before. Um, So this is not a first watch for either of us. Um, This, um, I mean, as I've previously stated, I love summer camp horror. I really do. Um, The good and the bad. Um, And I watched The Burning I don't even remember when the first time I watched it. I probably have it actually marked. First time I watched The Burning was in 2019, pre-pandemic, baby. Um, And I think I was just like kind of like on a hunt where I was like, there has Mm -hmm. to be more summer camp horror I haven't seen and I want to see it. And The Burning is on many a list of summer camp horror, as I feel it should be. Um, And yeah, and I watched it and I was like, I feel that this is like in many ways like the pinnacle at least for me, of, like, summer camp horror. I was, like, this has many of the things that, like, fulfill my fantasy of summer camp. Um, mm-hmm. So I loved it. I ate it up. And I really loved it, once again, upon a rewatch. Uh, and I got to show it to uh, Honorary Girl Who Horror Cornelia this time, which was fun. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to restrain myself from getting into anything before we get into the meat of the episode, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm just – I'm really a fan of The Burning. There's definitely things – about specifically I guess like behind the scenes and people that were involved that are unfortunate and we will talk about it um mm-hmm. that aside I I still enjoyed this movie um and that's that's where I'll leave it but Alex what what are your feelings on yeah, your viewing I think this will be very interesting because I'm not particularly a fan of this film um mm. I've seen it three times. Uh, I I just checked. I also saw it for the first time in 2019, likely because at that point, that was like truly when our friendship was taking off. And that's when our friendship was better. (laughs) No, but that was like when we really kind of became very, very close. And like you were watching things and then kind of like making lists for me. So I was watching things that you were watching. And so I I probably watched it because you had seen it and logged it. Um, Yeah. And then I think I watched it again maybe the following year uh, to show Greg. Um, and I hadn't seen it since. So I didn't really – I went into this rewatch, even though I'd seen it twice already, not really remembering a lot other than that Jason Alexander is in it. And yes. he's trying to be – and they're trying to make me, like, think he's, like, hottie. And I was like, oh, Jason Alexander. He's really cool. Yeah. Oh, so funny. Um, and I, you know, I remembered Cropsy. But that was mm-hmm. kind of it. Um, but I think my issues with it come – which I'm sure we'll talk about more. I think, like, the vibe is great. The vibe is impeccable. It's the Mm -hmm. 80s. Everyone's having a great time. But for me, it kind of is so focused on character. I think it takes almost an hour before anything actually happens murder-wise, which is fine. I'm all for, like, taking that time to build characters, establish relationships, like, get all of that foundation established. But for me, I don't find any of the characters particularly interesting, and I find Mm -hmm. that two of the three like romantic relationships in the film are just based on like girl doesn't want to have sex yet boy is pressuring her and being aggressive to have sex 
and like I don't I don't find that like super fascinating to watch and then the fact that like two of the three relationships just kind of repeat that mm-hmm. I'm kind of just like let's get to crops you guys I don't really care about this um mm-hmm. but when the kills happen you know they're fun and I think watching it with uh subtitles also made me like it a little bit less because there's a lot of little dialogue that I probably missed the first time around specifically with a boy I think that you have a thing for unfortunately named Glazer where anytime his girlfriend like starts to submit to him he says that a girl and I uh uh-uh I fucking hated not hear that at all I was was like you can tell the Weinsteins wrote this not for me (laughs) but you know the vibes are impeccable I will give it that it has like such a great atmosphere and energy and like the actors are great Mm -hmm. i just think that it could have had a stronger script to like ground it for me yeah um well yeah and now that you bring up the weinsteins i we should um probably move into some behind the scenes but before we get to that you know because as always we don't want to spoil anything so if you're looking to watch this movie as always we encourage you to do so so we don't spoil everything for you it's available on paramount plus prime and tubi um so you can check it out there um but alex is now going to give us a brief synopsis. um yes so that if you don't want to watch you'll still be able to follow to some degree what we're fucking talking about all right i will do my best let's see because there's a lot of like you know, trying to establish relationships and stuff. But the film opens uh, on a camp called, I believe, Camp Blackfoot, where it is a boys' camp, and there is a group of, I think, five or six boys who are fed up with the caretaker, Cropsy, who is just an aggressive, mean man, and they want to get back at him by playing a prank. So one night, they sneak into his cabin and leave something that is going to give him a heart attack. We don't see what it is right away. Once they exit, they knock on his window to wake him up, And when he awakens, he sees that they have left a skull crawling with worms with like candles in its eye sockets. And, you know, of course, this terrifies him. So he jumps, knocks the skull over, which unfortunately sets his like bedding on fire. And for some reason, he has like cans of gasoline everywhere. So everything just goes up in blazes. He gets set on fire. The guys are just like, not sure what to do, watching him run around screaming in pain on fire. And then we cut to the hospital where he is uh, being treated and we learn that he has survived this attack, um, but he is really, really, you know, deformed and burned badly, worse than like any orderly has seen. And one orderly tries to like show a new doctor and like scare him, which causes Cropsy's, you know, burned arm to come out and grab him. And then we cut five years and we discover that Cropsy has now been in hospital for five years. He is well enough to be released back into the public and he is set back on his own. And the first thing he does is finds a sex worker who he kills for not yeah. really any reason. And then we cut to a new camp, which is kind of like on the other side of the original Camp Blackfoot, which is called Camp Stonewater, I believe. Yes. Um And it is a co-ed camp where we have a big group of people, um, you know, camp counselors and camp attendees alike. Uh, As we said, Jason Alexander is one of them. And it kind of just is establishing relationships, dynamics uh, of the group. We have a couple different couples who I've said in my 
my brief little review, like, are trying to have sex, but the girls are not sure if they want to. Um, there's this guy named Alfred who's like a little fucking creep who oh, none, well, no one really likes. Off on Alfred, <laughs> let me tell you. Everybody like hates Alfred. Everyone picks on him. He's you know always the butt of the joke, and. I, you know, he must have a thing for this girl, Sally, because he decides that he's going to spy on her while she takes an outdoor shower, which rightfully fucking traumatizes and terrifies her. And he tries to be like, I just wanted to scare her, which, okay, King, why would you want to do that? Which, you know, frustrates and infuriates everybody, including Sally's meathead boyfriend, Glazer, who has now decided (laughs) Alfred is his number one target this summer. He's going to fucking get him. But luckily for Alfred, he has a group of friends led by uh, Jason Alexander who kind of stick by him and defend him uh, throughout the few days that they're at camp. Um, And a big group of them are going on a canoe trip a few miles downriver from where they are. So that's kind of where everything starts to happen. We have seen Cropsy in the shadows at this point, like watching them while they play baseball and like pop up at a window. And I think Alfred sees him and is like, what What the fuck was that? But they eventually go on this canoe trip. Where uh, after some, you know, declined sexual interactions, uh, we have our first girl, Sally, get fucking wrecked by Cropsy with his garden shears. And the next morning, they discover that all of the canoes are gone. And they think that she just went back to the main camp because she had said that she was afraid of her boyfriend because he was a little bit too overly aggressive. And if he did anything she was just going to go back to camp so they think that she did that and somehow released all of the other canoes so essentially they're trapped there so they decide to make a makeshift raft so that some of them can return to camp but upon doing that the greatest scene of the film in my opinion happens where Cropsy emerges from a canoe they find and massacres all of them uh back at camp at this uh their canoeing vacation um you know Cropsy continues to kill here and there. They eventually the raft comes back and the main female counselor swims out to it, finds the bodies. Everyone kind of discovers, oh my God, a massacre is happening. Oh, I think at one point they do like a campfire where they tell the story of Cropsy to kind of like yeah. establish it. It doesn't really matter. And they eventually get back to the main camp uh, and the two counselors return to try to find Alfred, who has been taken by Cropsy, and an all-out battle against Cropsy ensues with the main leader of the male ca- uh, counselors, Todd, who is revealed that he was one of the boys five years prior who mm. set Cropsy on fire, which was kind of obvious, I think, from earlier dialogue in the film. But it's supposed to be a yeah. big reveal that he was a part of it. They have a, f- a face-off with him who you finally see his face. He's all burned and disfigured. He has a fucking flamethrower. He's trying to kill them. And in the end, they defeat Cropsy. And the film ends with another camp telling the story of Cropsy and continuing the mythos of him to the you know next generation of campers. Mm-hmm. That's oh, yeah, the burning. That is the burning. Um, okay. Well, um, let's get into some BTS stuff oh, i'm stretching mm-hmm. um let's get the bad one out of the way let's get it right, right the fuck out of the way do it rip the so, band-aid um this is a film that launched harvey weinstein and bob weinstein's career um, oh i didn't know that i knew that yeah. they wrote it oh so well okay. here's the thing so i'm gonna read this straight out and then we'll get into it uh their okay. mother miriam weinstein um was also pre-production assistant on the film um okay. This film also um, 
it says allegedly, but like I know all this to be true. So in my eyes, it is not fucking alleged. Um, but I'll read as it is written. This production okay. allegedly also kicked off Harvey's decade-long streak of sexual misdemeanors in the movie industry when he reportedly exposed himself to a female intern intern and asked her for a massage. So, day one. He was doing that I don't know day if, one. I don't I mean I don't know if it was day one of the shoe, but he well, did it apparently no, on the shoe. I mean like day one of his career. Like if this is oh, the film yeah. that like kicked off your career, like you're well, starting he, off with a song. I think it launched his career in the sense of like I mean, I was Make not him doing a name. Harvey Weinstein research As you should not why be. the fuck would I want to do that? Um, and we all know he's a piece of fucking human garbage um, who I hope rots in prison and dies there. Um, but I think, yeah, I think there was other things he had worked on pre this. Yeah. But this was like, yeah, like one of the bigger, like the first thing that was like, and then after this, I'll get this and this and this. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so it it is it is written by both Weinsteins, but from what I was like discerning, it's mm-hmm. more so written by Bob Weinstein than it is Harvey Weinstein. Yes. Not that that really makes a fucking difference. Um, I think it was but, story by Harvey and script by Bob. Yeah, and the story, which is another um, quick point I can make, um, it's based on a. It was originally titled the script was uh, the Cropsy Maniac, but the, mm-hmm. the story is based on an actual campfire story that's told at summer camps in and around New Jersey and upstate New York. Shout out! Um, the story like still circulates today, and it's also the basis for the documentary that many of you might have already seen, Cropsy. It came out in two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. Um, although the Cropsy documentary does not make reference to the burning, sadly. Um, but. Yeah, so the wine scenes are, are, are definitely involved heavily, like mm-hmm. producing it and having story. I mean, it's not solely written by Bob Weinstein. There were other people that also mm-hmm. wrote it. Once again, all men, as you can all discern. So as yeah. usually is the case. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. It's one of those things where it's like, even now when like I, you know, as I do at least once a year, at least rewatch Scream. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, yes, and the wine scenes. And you just and it's like unfortunately there's yeah. so many movies that we all love that we have to be like the name comes up and you're like I'm not seeing it um, because like like literally fuck them they're the worst people on planet yeah. Earth and like if we then were like I can never watch anything that they like was at the Weinstein Company or whatever like mm-hmm. we would lose such incredible important cinema um, I think this one is a, is slightly more difficult in the fact that like. Obviously, yeah, there was, like, writing elements possibly involved with them. And there's definitely moments where it feels like I can see their influence. Absolutely. I think that's Um, a big part of, like, why I – I'm, like, with some of the dialogue and just, like, the one-dimensional female characters. I'm, like, I kind of attribute it – whether it's, like, accurate or not, I just do – you know, instinctively attribute it to the fact that it was, like, written by the Weinsteins. And I'm, like, not surprising that they don't have any more fucking depth than that, but – no, I mean, 100%. It's one of those things where it's like, if they had no involvement and it was the same exact film that we're watching, I'm not that I'd be like, and I'm okay with all of it. Like, even though right. I like, th- there's love in my heart, absolutely, for this film. That's not to say that, like, there are not parts where I'm like, oh, this character's bad, or like, mm-hmm. I don't love this, um, because I do feel that way. Um, but I but think, I think that's common again, in a lot of films, especially 80s films, so. And yeah, even films that we've watched on this podcast, like, and mm-hmm. then, you know, and we just do it, talk about it in the discussion where it's like, even if I like it, like, I could sit here and be like, yeah, that's kind of like the price you have to pay a lot of times, sadly, but it, it is what it is. And if you, it's either like you, you, 
you take it or you don't, and then you don't get to mm-hmm. watch all these great 80s horror movies. Um, but yeah, I think there would be a part of me. It, it's it, Yeah, it's very easy. And I think rightfully so, that like if they weren't involved, I wouldn't be like picking the names out of the writer and the director to be like, and it's solely because this guy wrote this in. Like I'd be yeah. like, it's because it's all probably like stupid idiot fucking gross probably white dudes mm-hmm. making this shit and um they don't understand women and they don't want to and blah blah blah, blah, blah. Uh, and that's you know another 80s movie and it would just kind of be like one of the many where it's like because the Weinsteins are involved it's then like why does this feel particularly worse and it's because like the real world things that were happening and then continued to happen and blah, 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 with the Weinsteins where it's like now it's feeling a little too like the evidence is right here. Yeah. Um, so wanted to get that out of the way for anybody that has watched it and does know. And also maybe if someone that's going to watch it for the first time and, you know, as Alex was saying before we started recording, like you turn it on and you see like the Weinstein name again. You're like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. I was like, how did I not catch the first two times I saw this that it was like story by Harvey Weinstein? I was like, oh, do we have to do it? Yeah, we do. It's still like a fucking icon of the 80s slasher series, like subgenre. We have to do it. Oh, it makes me so sad. I can never win, girl. I can never win. <laughs> Anyways, it is to move it is. off of somebody who is disgusting and awful and as i said i will go on record fully i hope he dies and i hope the worst things happen to him on the way to death and in the afterlife with my full chest i'll say that um to somebody who i really admire and it was so funny because i was watching with cornelia and his name came up and she was like oh like why something like like, why do i know that name and i was like girl you should know that name like he is a horror staple he's a horror legend which is tom savini Mm -hmm. um who i'm we must have talked about him at some point on this podcast before. If we have, oh, I'm sure anybody, I'm sure anybody listening that is a horror fan like knows Tom Savini. Um, incredible, you know, special effects makeup guru. He's also mm-hmm. done his share of acting. I think directing too. He's directed some I believe horror so, films. Yes. Um, but uh, Tom Savini turned this. No, excuse me. Tom Savini turned Friday the 13th Part 2 down, working on it, Mm. so he could work on this film, which, as some of you may know, Tom Savini, also a huge part of Friday the 13th, the first one. I mean, he designed what, like, baby Jason looked like and everything. Um, The Kevin Bacon neck. Yes. So good. Um, And Tom Savini um, has recalled, which I thought this was so fun, that the cast on whatever the set of The Burning would literally line Mm -hmm. up. They were lining up to find out how they would die, which made him feel like an assassin. Because, of course, like, he's, like, this incredible guy. Like, I would feel the same way if I was on a horror movie and, like, I didn't know exactly, like, how I was going to die or, like, I knew, but I didn't know how it was going to look. I'd be like, ooh, like, what, like, SFX makeup are you going to put on me? Like, what am I going to look like? So grisly. And apparently, like, the whole cast was like, what what am I getting? What am I getting? Um, Which is so fun. Um, but Savini was very hands-on with the whole production, which also makes me feel good. Not that Tom Savini is this, like, I mean, I don't know enough personally about Tom Savini to be like, he is the saintliest man in the world. But, like, <laughs> as a horror staple, like, I really yeah. love and respect him. So, like, it makes me feel good that he's I feel like if you have Tom so Savini, if Tom Savini is involved with your film, I feel like it automatically, like, raises it up in my mind as, like, a higher tier of quality because I'm like, oh, well, yes. it's Tom Savini. So, like... I'm expecting some prime shit here. Yes. 
Um, he, um, he also did not have a lot of time to, um, put together the special effects makeup for the film. He only had three or four days to actually make, like, the Cropsy makeup. Um, the mask That's pretty impressive for... Yeah. Well, the mask was literally created in his dressing room in between other, like, special effects duties he was doing on the film. Mm -hmm. Um, because obviously he had to run around and, like, make a bunch of people bleed and die and shit. Mm -hmm. Um, but... Um, in Grand Illusions, which is his first book on his life as a special effects guru, um, he says that he based the look of Cropsy on a burnt beggar that he had seen as a kid in Pittsburgh, oh. um, as That's well so as textbook burn victims, which I know that mm-hmm. I think they talk about it. I've, I've heard him talk about it before. I, I'm pretty sure he was in the army or he was in, he went to war or, so, or some shit like that. I know he's like seen war in real life. He or has served in some capacity yes in some capacity so. yes um because i know he's talked about like so that when he sees like you know horror movies and these people and they die and they're like beautiful like i'm just gonna close my eyes or whatever he's like that's not how you die like you die like eyes open girl like you just so like that's why he like like in films that he works on like he's very like adamant about like making things look like this is how someone mm-hmm. actually dies like this is how they actually look when they're dead um uh but anyways do um to the time constraint that he had making the Cropsy mask. Um, the It looked more like it was melted rather, rather mm-hmm. than like a burn victim. Um, mm-hmm. But he was, um, I mean, I know he wasn't like fully happy with that, but he was happy enough with it that he then um, agreed to go on a publicity tour for the film, which is kind of awesome because usually, I mean, publicity tours is like the main actors or like the director, mm-hmm. um, like not usually like the guy that did the special effects, um, which honestly it yeah. should be for most horror movies because like that's sometimes the only thing that's like literally redeemable about a fucking movie. Um yeah, so well, that makes Tom sense though because he was hot there. off of his like he was hot off his success from Friday the Thirteenth, and mm. I'm well, sure this, like this I'm sure at that point he was kind of like becoming a big name. Yeah, I mean this one was capitalizing on the sex because obviously as we know, or most people probably know, like you know Friday the Thirteenth, like this random little movie that then obviously was like oh my god everyone was like eating it up so like as what happens with any of these things it's like that was successful we all have to know now make like summer camp horror movies which i still mm-hmm. feel there aren't enough of i would love that boom there's to come not back. a lot no i know i feel like there's been rumors about that they're gonna like maybe that make a new like friday the 13th which i mean the last I one was like friday the 13th 2009 which i love um honestly it makes me kind of sad to know though that he almost did friday the 13th too because personally i prefer part two to part one Mm -hmm. to the original um and i think oh what could he have done well i mean part two you finally get jason really i mean yes um i mean part two was essentially just the same exact plot of the first film but with jason and with in my opinion more interesting characters so it could have been is two the one where she puts on mrs Voorhees sweater at the end isn't that the one? I believe it is. Yeah, yeah I, I believe that. So. I like that. Um, all I will say is if we get more Friday the 13th that they decide to do like what they're doing, what they did with Halloween or whatever, where they're like, we're going to give it a new, or like obviously Scream at least currently, like we're mm-hmm. going to give it a new um, trilogy, even though Friday the 13th never really existed as a trilogy. Um, no. But all I will say is I will eat it up. 
But I do not want, and I'm not trying to fucking pick fights with anybody. I'm not even going to go into detail. I just don't want David Gordon Green to be the motherfucker that brings us Jason because I want what we got in 2009. I don't give a fuck if you bitches are complaining about it. I want hot teens at summer camp and then Jason comes through and he's just fucking brutalizing. That's all that I want. I don't want I don't want deep backstory. I don't want huge character development. Like this is the one time I'm like don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. Just like fuck these hoes up. Um and that's what I want on record. So I'm I don't think that you have now. to worry cuz he's he's busy fucking up the exorcist. I right know, now, so. girl. God yeah, help us. I mean, I've been lucky in the sense that, like, I know that Halloween is very sacred to you. I, I, so I love sacred. Halloween. It is not, like, my sacred franchise, and nor is the Exorcist trilogy my sacred franchise. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, not to say that I love what he does, but, like, it, it will not keep me, like, tossing and turning the sheets at night. What will is the Lost Boys remake? Mm, so, yeah. pray for my soul on that one. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Um, the film's composer... Rick Wakeman, he he took a big L on this one because he was originally offered a percentage of whatever profits the film made um, okay. as, like, his payment for his work on the mm-hmm. film. But, of course, he then opted not to do that. He just wanted, um, a like, a fee instead because he did not feel that this film had any chance of being successful. Oh, he um, made a bad bet. And then this film ended up being the highest-grossing horror movie in Japan – um oh, interesting which i mean sure that's okay. it, it but regardless made money um and probably ma- we would have made more money if he had opted for the uh latter situation mm-hmm. but it just goes to show you um have belief on the things you work on um i feel like also with just like horror in general i think it's more maybe now than necessarily in the 80s like the horror community is so big and tight-knit and just like yes I feel like horror fans will see pretty much anything because they will support pretty much anything. And even if they absolutely hate it, they're still going to go see it and give money and support it. So, like, if you make a horror film, you're probably going to have a decent, you know, box office. Yeah. Yeah. And and even if you don't have a decent box office, you could still become a fucking cult classic because that happens so often. But I guess in the 80s, you know, those were bigger swings to take, especially when the slasher genre was kind of, like, just starting. I would even say when it goes, like, even, like, now, like, yeah, like, people, like, the horror fans are going to turn up to the theater, and even if they don't for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. and, like, you know, your shit goes to, like, you know, video on demand, like, it's not streaming yet, which I know, Mm -hmm. like, most people, not most people, but, like, even myself, like, sometimes I'll be like, well, I'm just going to wait for it to come to, like, Netflix, or something that I'm already paying a subscription for, but, like, there are a lot of horror fans who, like, once again, because, like, oh, I couldn't get to the theater, but I still want to, like, support this film. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I don't want to wait. Like, I have to be on that fucking pulse. Like, I have to see this movie already. They'll rent it. So I just feel like there is absolutely a market, which I feel like is why I feel like for the – not the, I don't want to say the first time in my life, but, like, since I've been alive, 25 years, mm-hmm. I feel like we're living in a time now that, at least from my recollection, we're getting more horror movies than I can, like, remember us getting in, like, past years. Not to say, like, we have more horror now than we've ever had. Like, I'm not going to go on record and say that as a fact because I don't know that to be true. And I don't necessarily believe that to be fully true. Um, but, like, at least I feel like in the the mainstream of, like, 
what the full public is seeing. Like, I feel like, and also it helps that, you know, we live in an era where there's like 10,000 streamers who are also making original content. So there's like, yeah. you can get it everywhere. But um, all that to say. I think we're in a day and age where like, it is easier to make a horror film if you want to than it was even in like the early 2000s where like streaming is so prevalent and just like everyone has access to technology. Like you can make a horror film. Like we were just talking about whether we love it or not, like Skinamarink was made for what a fucking tiny ass budget is on shutter. Like you can make a film like you can, there's just so many more opportunities to create something I think now, which is I think why maybe we're seeing more films being made over and over again i mean girl but, horror sells like I, like yeah. I, like there's always they always talk about how like you know i feel like are always trying to like buy horror and do horror not because like you know some of these places like obviously like you know horror production companies obviously but like because it's easy to sell like that's like a little like oh little project we can buy for less and like just get something out there but also like mm-hmm. for first-time directors and stuff a lot of t- those times like they do a horror movie because like it's just easier. It's just easier to yeah. sell a horror movie, stuff like that, which like for better or for worse. Um, I mean, I, I personally wish that that made people respect horror more yeah. because like it is so inclusive or like everybody gets a shot. We're all going to watch it, blah, blah. I think unfortunately for a lot of people, they then regard that as like horror being a throwaway cheap thing, which mm-hmm. if you go in with the intent of that and that's what you make, then yes, it will be dumb and cheap and throwaway. But like, if there's actual like love and intent in what you're making, like it's not then. And obviously like some of the best costume films of the last year, whether you've been a huge horror fan or not, like have been horror, like, and no one's going to convince me otherwise. Yeah. And I think it all comes back around to like, just the fact of like horror communities are way more tight knit than any other kind of genre in film. Like you can have Mm -hmm. a comedy, a drama and action, but if it looks bad, the people who love those genres are not necessarily going to go out and support it. Whereas like, if you make a horror film, we're going to go see it. And it is like the most universal like genre because you can have horror in any kind of film. You can have a comedy that has horror. You can have yeah. an action film that has horror. Like even in films that are not necessarily labeled horror films, there can still be horror, which is, a, you know, a, it's just a gateway. So I mean, we're just ranting now, but you know, that's what uh, we're going to support do. it. <laughs> Literally, I love horror to the day I don't. Uh, um, anyways, um, to move on to some other stuff, um, if you notice, if you watch the film, anytime it's Cropsy's POV, it's kind of this, mm-hmm. like, distorted, like, weird, like, lens thing going on, um, and they achieve that by rubbing Vaseline on the outside of the camera lens. <laughs> okay, RuPaul season one. <laughs> no, literally the RuPaul effect. Um. Oh, that's great. That's all, that's literally RuPaul POV, girl. <laughs> it really um, is. This was the feature film debut for uh, several people, but the notable, uh, the most notable were Jason Alexander, Fisher Stevens, and Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter, Holly was, Hunter like, was in this? Yes. Um, she was not like a main like counselor. Or, like oh. she was like literally like maybe had like one or two lines, if anything. More of like I did a, not an, her. a glorified extra. But in an interview for Total Film Magazine, Holly Hunter um, said this about the burning. Our screen debut, she said, well, look, I got paid more than I'd ever could have imagined on the burning. I was making over a thousand dollars a week, which was incredible. I could make my rent. I didn't have to wait tables for a while. I got all these new friends and I was kind of a glorified extra. I got my screen actors guild card. So it was fantastic. So even though she was not in no capacity, a household name after the fucking burning, like 
it served her well. And I would love my fucking screen debut to be fucking (laughs) a summer camp horror movie. Yeah, I love how many people's like huge careers have started in just a small horror film. Um, whenever I think about Jason Alexander, I always think about this one time uh, in college when Elizabeth and I were hanging out, and she just very out of like absolutely nowhere was like, "You know who's hot? Jason Shut Alexander." The fuck up. I went, okay, George Costanza. Excuse me, what are you talking about? And she was like, "You don't think he's hot?" And I was like, "Fucking George from Seinfeld." No. And she was like, oh my God, I met Lucius Malfoy. And I was like, Jason Isaacs, girl. And still to this day. Oh my God. Wait, shut the fuck up. That's so funny. Still to this day, I'm always like, Jason Alexander's so hot. Now imagine if Lucius Malfoy was played by Jason Alexander (laughs) with that Mm. lace front girl. That would have been it. Holy shit. Well, it's my favorite. When he was in the movie last night, there was like a scene where he was just like standing there. And I was turned to Quinn and I was like, honestly, he could get it. Like, yeah, he could get it. And, like, <laughs> talking about him in this film. And then Cornelia was like, honestly, in Seinfeld, sometimes he could get it. And I was like, okay. Not um, for me, you know but, what? you know, good for her. <laughs> I, I can support a man who never wants to work. He only wants to scheme and get by because mm-hmm. bitch me the fuck too. Um, but, yeah. This one goes out <laughs> to all the George Costanza girlies in the audience. Um, anyways, um. The actor, so, um, like, Cropsey's, like, titular weapon is garden mm-hmm. shears. And mm-hmm. as we've brought up, and we will discuss the infamous Raph scene, like, the shot yeah, is, like, so Cropsey cool. rising up into frame, and he's, like, holding the shears, like, spread over his head. Well, the actors had holding those, had excuse me, had trouble holding those garden shears in a way that director um, Tony Malum liked. So mm-hmm. um, in a lot of the scenes in which um, – costumed Cropsey, like you can see him is like mm-hmm. killing somebody including the infamous raft scene um the director played Cropsey himself oh nice that's cool um which you know what i respect it's like one of the things where it's like yeah. if i have a vision and it's like you guys are not getting it i'm just gonna do it myself like as you know if you want something done right do it yourself i'm a full supporter well i think also like it's with like friday 13th sequels with like jason like you see jason a lot and you yes. need someone who can, like, have those physicalities to be this, like, big brooding man. Where, like, Cropsy, you only see him a few times in the film. So, like, And you only see essentially his face at the very end. Yeah. So it's not like you needed to have somebody who was going to, like, create this, like, physical character. Like, save money. I'm sure your budget wasn't super big. So do it yourself. Why not? And then you get to say, I was Cropsy. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was an actor that played Cropsey, like, pre the Burns and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes, yes. But anyways, two more for you. He was familiar um, to me. Is he anyone? Do you know? He looked very familiar to me. Um, the actor's name is, um, where is it? Why is it not listed? I meant to look him up before we started recording. I forgot. Is Lou David, I believe is his name. Um, and there's nothing in his filmography that is familiar hmm. to me. Okay, maybe he just looked like a guy, you know? He yeah. One of those faces. He's a very like, distinct nose. Like his um, he did. His nostrils mm-hmm. are very distinct. Um, I think he probably just looked like another actor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although at the end of the film, it says that this film was filmed in Western New York. Um, majority of the camp scenes were actually filmed at, uh, let's see if, yeah, this is correct. Um, William H., pouch scout camp in staten island new york so still new york but not an island 
not exactly where they're telling us. Um, and then okay. lastly, um, this film was one of the first movies to land on the UK's video nasty list, specifically because really? of the infamous raft scene. Yes. Interesting, because even the raft, I mean, I think the raft scene is the like best part of the film, but even that is like, I think Tom Savini has done better work in other films where I'm like, even I think at The Burning's Best, it's like not that graphic. So I'm surprised to hear that that would be a video nasty. It's one of those things where I think I we mean, have the, to like put ourselves back in that mindset of like, yeah. like you know, whatever, where it's like mm-hmm. specifically with the raft scene, because like, it's like, I mean, it's very bloody, but it's very like very red blood where it's clearly not real blood. Yeah. And also like in theory, like it's a bunch of like teens and children and like young campers being killed. So yeah. it's like, that's really disturbing for some. Um, so sensitive. Uh, you guys are pussies. Anyways, um, anyhow, but yeah, that's all I have for behind the scenes, fun facts, whatever you want to call them. So on to the, um, the meat of the film, which I want to bring up my boy Glazer first because he was already brought up and I feel I must defend myself and my fucking honor. So here's what I just need you to know that when I was watching it, the first moment that he came on screen and started fucking acting up, I said to myself. No. If Anya motherfucking oh. Garrity <laughs> picks oh. this man as her partner in crime, if she is a fucking glazer stan, I don't know how I'm going to do this episode. And then I read your review on Letterboxd and I was like, no, oh, I gotta be strong. I gotta be strong. Okay, listen, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. Like, just let me just plead my case. <laughs> the first time we it's meet okay. Glazer, I know that I'm mentally ill, okay? I need help. You guys can't blame me. I'm not in the right t- mind. Anyways, when we first meet Glazer, it's right after fucking Alfred, who I fucking hate. Because also, the first time we meet, no, let me go off. The first time we meet Alfred is, as you had said in the plot synopsis, he has like mm-hmm. gone to the shower, which it's like a psych out because we're like, oh God, Cropsy's gonna kill this naked girl in the shower. Right. It ain't Cropsy. It's fucking Alfred. Um, and which also, let me say, love an outdoor shower moment. Love an outdoor shower moment. Oh, yeah. We used to do outdoor showers all the time every summer when we went to Cape Cod. And like, there's probably that like, didn't like them, but now that like I haven't done one in years, I'm like, there is something so freeing about just like middle of the day in the summer, just like taking an outdoor shower with like the the, the afternoon breeze. Oh, it's so nice. Anyways, I did think about that when she was there. I was like, oh, that should be me. Anyways. <laughs> Fuck Alfred, because he's a little disgusting little perv. I can't stand Mm -hmm. him. When he was like, I just trying to scare her. Like, girl, like, first of all, fuck off. Like, leave the girls alone. But, like, throw in a rubber snake into the shower and, like, run away. Like, why are you physically walking into the shower and, like, standing there? Because I think – I might have imagined this, but I feel like she had a line where she was like, oh, like, I turned Alfred there and he, like, wouldn't leave or some shit. Like, I I mean, probably. He's a fucking pervert. But then, and then, yeah, and then it's, like, this whole, like, and it definitely feels like Alfred is being set up to be, like, this character we're supposed to feel, like, some amount of pity for because, like, he's a loop. And it's so asinine because it's, like, thank God for um, Michelle, Counselor Michelle, mm-hmm. who's supposed to, I guess, be our, our lead counselor because, like, our lead female counselor because she's dating yes. the lead male counselor um, because she is fucking had it she's like get this motherfucker out of the camp i'm fucking done Mm -hmm. where of course like her boyfriend is like calm down like i'll handle it which is him just like taking alfred aside and being like why the fuck are you doing that like we're gonna get in trouble if you do that which i'm like like he's not like condoning it but also it's like he's not condemning it enough either so i was kind of like fuck all y'all 
And then I can't remember if it's right after he pulls, I must be right after he pulls Alfred aside and is like, cut the shit. Alfred is like, me, 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 nobody understands me. Like fucking walking off and who shows up but fucking Glazer, which also whole time watching, it wasn't until the very end. I thought his name was Blazer <laughs> with a B. And I was like, and me and Cornelia were like, yeah, sick ass name. And then it was like Glazer and we were like, damn it. Um, That's sick. He, I was like, yeah, he's blazing it up. Um, but then he, I was, I listened to Cornelia in this first interaction. I was like, I know they're trying to paint him also as like, he's the bully of the camp. He's the nasty one. And I was like, he's not doing anything wrong. I'm completely on his side because he like is up in Alfred's face. And he's like, let me find out you're even looking at my girlfriend. I will break your fucking legs. He literally says something that he's like, I will rip your legs off your body or something. I'm pretty shit. sure he says that like, he's going to mess him up so bad. Even your mom won't recognize you. Cause also he has yes. a really thick accent. And listen, I'm not in these streets condoning violence, but I am in these streets condoning violence against perverts and people that try to sexually harass women so you know what at this point i'm like i'm team glazer i'm team fucking glazer um and then because and here's the thing so then like whatever the movie goes on he's like in and out of it as is alfred he's like he pushes alfred into the water and they're like he can't swim you evil (laughs) bastard and i'm like then what is he doing so he standing on the dock? Why is he at camp? He's in a swimsuit. Also, five seconds before this, all his friends were like, come on, Alfred, just jump in the water, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, so what were y'all going to do when he got in the water? So shut the fuck up. And then Glazer like swims out to the dock where all the girls are at. And you know I fucking die because he gets up. And of course, he's like, like telling the girls how pretty they are. And then what is his girlfriend's name? Is it Sally? Mm-hmm. He like. Listen, I know the kind of mentally ill person that I am. He says to her, um, I literally had to write it down. He says, like, hi, pretty girl. And I was like, I know that some girls, and rightfully so, would be like, Bleh! like, ick, rip my skin off. Immediately, I was like, <laughs> I was eating it up. Um, and Loki, she's like, kind of like, she's not being mean to him, but she's like, almost like, I don't even know, like, bullying him like essentially being like mm-hmm. i'm not getting in the water with you like blah blah they end up, the girls end up pushing him into the water which there were so that. many moments where i was like i'm expecting him because of the character they're painting him to be of the archetype he's gonna get up out of the water and be like fucking piss the girls or like they're gonna cut to a scene right after this and he's gonna be like yeah whatever like fuck those stupid bitches i'm just trying to get laid and like mm-hmm. that never happens which bar on the floor, obviously. But I was like, okay. The only time he really like overtly is like mean and aggressive is toward Alfred. He's like, Alfred's a fucking per-. like he tries to pit everything on Alfred. He's like, it was fucking this guy. This guy fucking sucks. And every time he's doing it, I'm like, yes, he does fucking suck. Kill this fucker. Um, his one scene where he definitely gets into territory of being unfortunately like. Oh, your classic 80s like moment of boy wants to have sex with girl because mm-hmm. he's he's definitely like and Sally has been talking about it with the other girls of like whereas um oh god what is the other girl's name that she has like Karen, sexually I think. aggressive and boyfriend Eddie. we'll we'll say it's his Karen, name is yeah. Eddie I know yes that's true um we'll say it's Karen because there's yeah as you said there's a storyline with Karen where she is like kind of afraid of Eddie mm-hmm. um 
which it's like, it's disturbing because it's like, girl, if you have to have this conversation at all, like, mm-hmm. don't do it. Which, as you said, like, they literally are like, if it gets too much, you can dip. It's like, you should not be being like, and if your boyfriend gets sexually aggressive with you, which like, you're kind of already hinting that he will, you can leave. It's like, you should be nipping out in the bud to begin with. Um, But simultaneously you have this thing with Sally and Glazer where she's also talking about how like kind of like Glazer wants to have sex Glazer wants to have sex and the way she's talking about it she doesn't seem afraid of him or anything it's kind of like this like the way that it's played by her is like she's talking about to the other girls and they're like ooh, and like talking about like him like I would let him be on top of me like stupid shit like that with all those muscles on top of me I know and she's like whatever like maybe I'll let him like whatever like stupid Mm -hmm. shit like that we're like whatever so then they cut to like they've also gone on the the raft the the canoe trip I think and they're off in the port because they like they went to the other side of the lake to do to hang out and then they're supposed to come back um and they're in the forest and of course she's like he's like let's have sex let's have sex and she's like no like I don't want to have sex in the forest and there is definitely an element of like him pressuring her Mm -hmm. but what I will say and and like once again I'm not saying any of it is okay but you have the juxtaposition I I can't remember if it happened before this. It's it happening did. around the same yes. time. It did. With Eddie and Karen, where, like, he is being, oh, like, much more, like, aggressive yes. and, like, nasty. Because, like, she's very much, like, I'm afraid, blah, blah, blah. And he's, like, you always fucking do this. Like, you're always saying, like, you want stuff. And then, like, you tell me, like, no. Absolutely fucked. And That's, then he, oh, he She's allowed her, to do that. Literally. She convinces her to get in the water. And she's, like, mm-hmm. okay, like, I'll get in. Gets in the water. Immediately again, like, tries to, like, have sex with her in the water. And she's, like, finally, she's, like, get off me like i said no and he's so nasty to her mm-hmm. he like just so mean like yeah like get the fuck out of here then which then leads to her demise which we'll put on pause for now which we'll come back to if we need to discuss um mm-hmm. so then unfortunately when you put the juxtaposition with her with glazer and her yes when she's like glazer i don't want to do it he should have been like okay we won't do it but of course he's being like like you can trust me blah blah which like doesn't make it okay um and not to be like well she wanted it she was asking for it but like the way that the actress is playing the character and presumably how it is written by these she's very men, teasy she's being a te- and not to say no, she's always deserved to be pressured yes exactly it's a tease in a way where it's like she doesn't want to but like it, it i think it's like rooted wa- in her being hesitant yes and so she's like she's Going with it, she'll like take a step forward, but then get nervous and take a step back and like be a te- like be a little teasy about it to be like to kind of like cover up. I think for the fact that she's like nervous and uncomfortable, and then she'll like take a step forward towards him. I think it's kind of her just like internally trying to decide what she wants yeah. to do, what she's comfortable with doing. Um, but it comes across, of course, to you know the man is like, "Oh, you're teasing me, baby. You want it so bad, yeah." Um, <laughs> but what I will say is, even then, I was like, "Oh, well, like once again, like we've seen Glazer be aggressive and mean. We've mm-hmm. just had a scene where the guy, when it comes to the moment of like I'm gonna have sex and being denied, being really mean and aggressive. So I'm like, mm-hmm. so they're gonna do it again, and he doesn't, which is you know, once again, bar on a fucking floor. But like, he never like is like." oh, like, fuck you, you bitch. Like, you're always, like, doing mm-hmm. this to me. Like, he's always just, like, you can trust me. Like, blah, blah, like, whatever. And she's, like, mm, like, smirking through the whole thing. Cut to them having sex in which, like, I guess presumably, like, he finishes before she does. I mean, he's a two-pump chump. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Shut like, the fuck up. He, no, he 
seriously, he's like, don't worry, baby. I promise you, it's going to be it's real gonna be good, so for, good you. for you. Then he yeah. literally is like, pump, pump, oh, oh. And then he's like, uh, and she's like, is that it? And he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. Next time would be better. Dad a girl. And I'm like, oh. I've heard <laughs> any of these data girls. I'm believing well, they're in there. subtitles on, bitch. And it was a lot. It was a lot of data girl. <laughs> they, I, whoever was doing the sound mixing was like, we're just going to turn that down real low. Nobody has to hear that shit. Um, but then even then, yeah, I was like, he didn't feel like, oh, this boyfriend where it was like, I'm just trying to fuck. Whatever. Like, I got off. Like, see, like, he he's so embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, and then like, it, it just like feels like, you know, in a movie, like, this is the sweetest we're going to get in a kind of movie like this. Like this moment between them where he's like, she's like, well, like, he's like, I bet you want to like go back to camp because like I fucking, I blew our sex or whatever. And I she's blew like, my no. load. literally, she's like, no, like we could stay and like essentially like and then try again he's like do you mean it like he's just like so fucking dumb and then he like runs off butt cheeks out and he's like you stay right there like keep the sleeping bag warm i'm gonna be right back which you know he won't he won't be right back uh or he will but no he will be back but she won't be there for him i mean listen <laughs> I so need that's, jump that's my case. Oops. That's my case about Glazer. I just need. I didn't want to. We can go back to everything else. I just need to make my case about Glazer. No, of all fine. the men in the movie, he was the only one that had any interest to me because even like lead okay. counselor, who's like, I'm the good guy. He's fucking boring and he's not doing enough when it's his job to to put Alfred in his place, and that really pissed me the fuck off. He's more okay. on fucking Glazer's case than he's on Alfred's. Okay, I'm done. All right, let me jump in here, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. <clears throat> now that Anya has jumped through hoops to <laughs> make Glazer the, the number one man in the film, um, I will I would say that none of the men in the film are good. I think that yeah. – I mean, it's very possible because of who wrote it and or just, you know, men in the 80s just kind of like trickling in their own fucking pro- – like personality traits into these characters like yes alfred is the worst and my issue with alfred above everything else is the fact that you are meant to view him as essentially the final boy and like he is supposed to be a sympathetic character that like oh he's being bullied he's being picked on he doesn't have any friends he's just misunderstood he's a little bit weird but like he doesn't mean anything by it like no he is a a perv he's a creep he traumatized her and that is assault and you cannot just fucking watch somebody without their consent in the shower that's it there's no ifs ands or buts about that so i'm not going to really sympathize with this fucking guy and there's nothing really that happens with his character throughout the film that kind of makes up for it he never really makes any amends he doesn't seem to care or apologize to her at any point so alfred i don't give a shit about i do like that glazer is hard on him and is like gonna fucking kick his ass and I don't think that Glazer is necessarily like a a really like violent person because like even in the, the tips he has with like Jason Alexander where he's like I wanted lubricated condoms. Oh my like, god, I forgot about like, that. He just seems to me just kind of like he has a short fuse, but yes. he's not going to really like do anything with it. But he's because he's just kind of like a dumb meathead, which like dumb yes. meatheads with short fuses are not my vibe. So I was immediately like get him away from me if i, I had know, to pick a guy the opposite of your vibe <laughs> if i had to pick you one want of a boy them, that's I gonna cry in your arms i like todd i think todd's biggest issue is that he obviously was involved with the the prank that caused cropsy so like he is problematic in his own ways of like he was just like these young boys like pulling pranks and hurting people yeah but i think that todd is the most mature of them he's 
the only one who kind of like takes actions in certain points. And I guess Jason Alexander's character, but like he's just the class clown, like dummy looking at girls' butts, which I have to say, not to ever talk poorly about a woman's body because I love all no, women's bodies. We had the, me and had the same shit. I'm sorry. There is a scene right when you meet Jason Alexander and Eddie, who Eddie is hands down the worst of all the men, in my opinion. I fucking hate Eddie because he is yeah. the most outwardly aggressive towards women and yes. I don't like him. But they're watching the girls play baseball. And I think it's Karen that they're gawking at. And they show a close-up of her butt in like her pajama, her like um, bathing suit it's bottoms. Like swim trunks, yeah. Swim Girl. trunks. Who the fuck am I? And they're talking about how it's prime meat. It's like the best of the best. And I'm like, I'm sorry. That saggy fucking like bathing suit bottom on her non-existent ass is the shot that we're really going to focus on here. It was Me and Grace is the same was, thing. Girl. Because it's like the butt standards <laughs> of then to now. No, literally, think about it. Yeah. Because like I feel like you watch movies back then and they have scenes of like women's bare asses or women in their underwear and they have my ass, which is flat and non-existent. <laughs> I'm not trying to – like I have amazing no, I know, I know. as I've said before in the podcast. We, I don't have an I ass. knew you were going to – But sometimes – No, literally – Don't worry. I have good tits. Don't you guys cry about it for me. <laughs> I'm okay. But like no, when I think about it and there's moments where I'm yeah. like, if I was in the 80s – I'd be cleaning the fuck up with this ass because it ain't yeah. there. And like literally it's like it's ironing board. It's like fucking it like so, slit like, down the doing? center for the legs and that's it. <laughs> legs right to back, babe. Um, whereas like nowadays, like we love a big ass. We love a shelf yeah. in the back. Um, and it, it's just so interesting where it's like if you showed that ass in a movie today and you were like, damn, that ass, everyone would be like, that's that's a joke, right? Like that's the bit is that like there's nothing there. Um, so yeah. it, but it's startling because it is like it is literally like there's not even cheeks. And it's there's also a really there. ugly bathing suit bottom that is like a weird yeah. material that looks like it's just like pouching. It's bad. It's just all bad. But all of this to say, I don't think any of the men are um, anything to write home about. So, I mean, Glazer's not at the bottom. He's not at the top for me. But I'm glad that you found somebody in this film I mean, you. okay. I need to now feel like uh, just very briefly. I, too, I'm like, I'm not trying no, to – like, these, none of these men are, like, actively my dream men. And, like, yeah. I'm just saying, like, in the pool I had to pick from of, like, the characters they were highlighting for us – he was the most fun yeah. for me to watch because he at least had a personality, which I felt that Todd didn't really because he had to be like, I'm the good boy counselor, which then I was mm-hmm. like, then be the good boy counselor and send Alfred home. Tell Alfred to get fucked. Yeah. Um, I just don't get why they fucking tried to make Alfred the final boy. Like, I don't get it. But that's what was so jarring to me. And that's why I think I lashed onto Glazer in certain ways because I was like, it feels mm. so cookie cutter. Like, it feels like Alfred should have been coming from something else where he, like, truly accidentally, like, stumbled, like, knocked into a girl. Like, I'm, I'm expecting it to be like, he was like, oh, I'm running the gift to something. Knocks into a girl, her towel comes off. And he's like, oh, blah, blah. like, completely not his fault. And they're, like, mean to him. And then we cut to Glazer being like, I'm going to fucking kill you. Where it's like, no, Alfred willingly walks into the bathroom and, like, sexually, like, assaults this girl. By, like, coming in and over naked and, like, not leaving. And then it's, like, it's not my fault. It was a prank. Yeah. It's like, I, I definitely think that Glazer is, like, validated in his response to him. And I think on top of it, – it could have been, like, one thing of, like, Alfred does that in the shower scene. He gets talked to. He realizes that, like, it's not the way to handle the fact that he's being bullied. But – it continues throughout the rest of the film where yes! he continues to follow Sally and Glazer as they're having sex so he can watch them have sex because he's so enamored by Sally and wants to watch see Sally and see Sally naked that he keeps following them because that's how he sees 
Glazer get killed and then report that back to Todd to be like, that fucking guy I saw at the cabin is here. He killed them. And the only reason he saw that was because he was being a fucking pervert yet again and not learning from his mistakes. So I do not root for him because he just continues to do the same shit. But it's kind of excused in the film. And I think that has to do with the fact of who fucking wrote it. I'm just going to keep ranting. I'll stop. No, I mean, we don't have to stop, girl. It's our fucking podcast. But, like, yeah, I think that's exactly (laughs) why I latched onto that because I was like, once again, all the boys suck. Boys suck all the time. I'm fully, if we're being honest, like, I'm team Michelle because she's beautiful. She's snagged a hot boyfriend. And she's laying multiple times. She's, like, even in the raft. And she's, like, there's someone killing somebody, like, and she and the the guy running the camp is, like, what are you talking about, blah, blah. And she's, like, Mm -hmm. I'll take care of it myself. And she, like, runs off or whatever. Um, Bad bitch. But mm-hmm. in terms of if we have to then pick a male counterpart to even think about it all, like I was t- because yeah, they're like to me it feels like normally Glazer would be the one that walked into the shower and then like you know yes. ah, I want you the girls blah, blah blah and like and then maybe like fucking nerdy Alfred is like says something like you shouldn't do that or whatever and he like throws off everything against the wall like I'll look at my naked girlfriend when I want to blah blah blah, blah. Yeah, whatever the fuck where it's like it's sure. completely not that and like. In a different movie and in a better movie and in a movie that was written today, we might have this same switch with, like, this incel-ass Alfred or whatever and then this, like, you know, juice head, whatever the fuck, boyfriend. But then, like, (laughs) they would go the the step further, you know what I'm saying? Where it's, like, where, like, they're really subverting those expectations. Mm -hmm. Where, like, they don't go that full step. They're just kind of, like, it almost seems like they did this by mistake. Like, they Mm -hmm. weren't, like, they were, like, oh, and it wasn't, it was too late where they're like, oh, we made her like bully, like only bully the creep. But then again, they don't see him, it seems like as a creep. Yeah, I think like, that's kind of where the issue comes from. I don't think that when it, the character was written, it was viewed as him being a creep. I think that it was like, oh, boys will be boys looking at women. Like, I don't think it was considered at the time of, at least from the people who were writing it, that like, oh, this is a problematic character. Yeah. Whatever. Fuck Alfred. Literally at the end when he's like, when Cropsy like gets him and he like pins him against the wall, like using like the sheet. He doesn't even like really cut him. He like puts the shears on the wall, like crisscross mm-hmm. essentially like open. So And Alfred's arm is in between it. And it's like closed enough where he can't pull his arm out. And he's like screaming, blah, blah. And I literally have turned to Cornelia. I'm like, well, this- can he shut up and die? Like shut up and die. I literally was like, yeah. other people in the show literally got their fucking throats slashed open. And you have what? Like, shears, yeah. like, digging into your bicep a little bit? Shut the fuck up, you pussy. God damn. It also frustrates me that, like, the whole, th- the whole like, motivation behind Cropsy, because we learned from the campfire story, at least from Todd's perspective, is saying that when Cropsy was set on fire and he was, you know, running out screaming, he said that he will get his revenge. He will come back. Which, yeah. you know, could have just been something he said for the story or it could have been something that really happened because Todd was there, so it's possible. So if yeah. that's the case, I could understand Cropsy coming back five years later and being like, I know that Todd is working there or I just want to get back at, like, the boy campers. But he's still – he kills equally men and women and the first person that he kills is a woman, um, which I find interesting. And then we allow fucking Alfred to live. I don't want – why? I know. I Girl, I was so what? fucking mad. <laughs> Because, like, even, like, I was even thinking about, like, um, Karen. Because in this scene, mm-hmm. after she, like, essentially, like, Eddie's being, like, a literal, like, huge piece of shit to her. Um, but, um, she, whatever. And she's, like, 
I have to tell you this. She's she whatever she gets out of while she's naked. Cropsy has like stolen her clothes or something. Oh yeah, shit. classic. The little prankster. <laughs> um, so she only has her sneakers left, no socks, soaking wet. So she puts her wet ass shoes in the sneakers. And I had to write this down because Cornelia said it, and I was like, "You're so right." Um, that there is nothing more vulnerable than being naked in wet sneakers, like out. Like, yeah. could you like literally? If I was gonna die, I don't want to. But like, could you imagine? It's like, oh, not only like. Honestly, being just naked would be better. But then, like, naked in your Ugh. wet, sloshy sneakers, that's the worst way to go. And it's so <laughs> – which, you know, it wouldn't be the first time that, you know, something, like, close to, to sexual assault or actual sexual assault or rape or whatever happens. And then the person that was the victim is the one that then mm-hmm. suffers, like, you know, yes. the monster death or whatever. I mean, it happened in The Blob, which we love that movie, but it's very sad oh, yeah. that that happens to that girl. Um, but, yeah, like, she's, like, suffered so much. Her boy, Her boyfriend – who should not be her boyfriend, piece of shit. She needs to go back to camp, can't find her fucking clothes, da 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 And then, yeah, Cropsy comes up and, like, kills her. And you're like, I know that no, like, not everyone that dies in a slasher is deserving. Like, that's one of the slashers, a body count. But, like, does she really have to die first? She has to die before Eddie? Like, That's what I thought. Does Eddie even die? Um, yes. Because he comes back, because they find yes. him and they're, like, questioning him where Karen is. Yes, Eddie okay, died. He does not die that night. He dies, um, like, post-raft. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Good. I think. Because I was going to be hope. really angry. If I believe, I believe me, he does. I'm, like, nervous now that he does it. <laughs> Damn it! Uh, honestly, I don't remember. At that point, like, I, we got so deep in the movie that I was just, like, no. when Crafty would start actively killing, that I was just, like, so focused yes. on, like, kill Alfred, kill Alfred. Oh. Eddie was on the raft, so yes. Okay, okay, okay. That you know, I do remember that now because I remember there's the there's the scene with the girl behind him, and she's like, Eddie, why? Like she's like she's like upset about the raft, and she's being so dramatic, and then she's like, Why didn't Karen come back with you? Um, yeah. I do remember him being on the raft now. Um, but, so he gets got, thank God. Yes. Um, but to move on from boys that suck so hard, um. <laughs> To just overall, because I made mention at the beginning of the episode, is that I think this is the pinnacle of summer camp horror. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would like to touch upon that. Because you brought up sure. something that is very much true, which is that it takes a hot-ass minute to get to, like, the summer camp killing Cropsy. Mm-hmm. Because obviously we have the opening to establish what Cropsy is. We have the, like... Um, burnt hand in the fucking burn ward moment where we're like, mm-hmm. he's still alive! Um, and we have you know, the killing of the sex worker, which honestly I don't like. And I'm not, and it's not even because I'm trying to take a stance against like, you know. No, it just doesn't add anything to the plot. It's so random. I mean, it literally yeah. is the point, And it was so true. Once again, Cornelia made a mention. She's like, LOL, like, does this take place in the basket case universe? Because it literally feels like he's in like basket case yeah. New York City, like going to the CD motel or whatever. And it's just like, and I forgot that it was in the movie because I was like, why the fuck are we here? Who is this? What is going on? And it is so weird because he just kills her and then it's like That's it. Red dissolve or whatever they kept doing. And then like, yeah, mm-hmm. then you're immediately at summer camp. And I'm like, what should have happened? It should have been like burn ward, like, he's still alive. And then whatever they cut to, it's like a year later or five or whatever, five, five years, years later. later. Yeah. And then immediately on camp. And you'll put together Agreed. as an audience, like, he got killed at camp, he's still alive, he's gonna get his revenge. We're at summer camp. Okay, he's gonna come here. Cause yeah, what what's his motivation to kill the sex worker? 
Well, so my thing is, just like, I'm sure they're doing it to show us that, like, five years later, Cropsy's still living, and he's got, like, a murderous streak in him. But I'm like, I but I don't need that. I don't need that for the, my summer camp slasher. Like, he got burned at camp. He's mad about camp. He's going to kill at camp. Great. So when he shows up, I'm not going like, to question the logistics. It feels like a scene that maybe either was, like, something was, ta- like, removed from the final cut that, like, maybe showed that, like, he, like, stole from her or he did something to, like – get himself to camp yeah from like whatever or it was a scene that they like added in after the fact because they needed either like more kills or more time or they wanted to like establish something like you said that like he has a fucking murderous rage in him i don't know i don't it doesn't propel the story forward it's not necessary um it's not a long scene thankfully but like yeah i mean i I think it kind of all it does is establish that like he is scary looking because he keeps the lights low. And then when she finally sees him, she freaks out and she's like, who are you? What do you want from me? And so like, if, if anything that we take away from that scene, it's just that he is physically jarring to look at because of his burns. That's really all you get from it. And I can think maybe because as we said, then you get to camp and it's a lot of time with Mm -hmm. the campers, the counselors, the ones that like, they feel you need to know to a certain extent because they're going to die. And, there isn't a killing until you get to later until literally you get to Karen. Um, so they find that where it's like, maybe they put it in because they're like, we go too long without killing somebody. And we need to like, at least have one kill before we then like, don't have a lot for a while. And a lot of the time, not that I'm overtly against it, but like, I will get frustrated with a movie that will do that. Even though I'm in full support, most of the time, like give me a well developed story, but like, uh, and I want to rewatch it. But, like, prom night doesn't hit hard for me as it does for other people because prom mm-hmm. night's a lot of that, too. Prom night is a lot of, like, they have the opening with the kids. You establish what's going on. And then it's like just a lot of time where there's, like, threatening phone calls or whatever before you even get to, like, killing. And it's and because they're doing a lot of, like, we're meeting the characters. We're establishing their relationships and where they're at mm-hmm. now. Um, but obviously for some people that really works. I think, and as I said, sometimes I'm just like, girl, I'm watching a slasher. Like, I want to get the gory stuff. Or like, you need to mix the gory stuff in more with the, the character stuff. Um, but it it worked for me here. And I think it had the benefit of the fact that like, it's just this beautiful summer camp. Like, it's my perfect idea of like the wooden cabins, everyone in these colorful mm-hmm. clothes, like just fucking hanging out all day doing whatever. Um, that like, I was just content to sit there and watch summer camp content. Like, just watch 80s summer camp content that, like, like whereas, like, if that's not your cup of tea or, like, you don't really care about that, there is a sense of, like, okay, the clock is ticking. Mm-hmm. Where the fuck is Cropsy? Where, like, I was, like, I know Cropsy's going to show up, but I'm just vibing for now. Um, but, I mean, I think that's why I really like this as, like, a, a pinnacle of summer camp horror because, I mean, obviously it also had budget to a certain degree. Like, it looks nice. Um, and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just got it's got like the summer camp vibes that I like, like the wet hot American summer of it all. Wow, then like and then you get the the horror stuff. Um, whereas like other camp movies, I mean, I might feel differently when I if I do a, another rewatch of like all the Friday the thirteenth, like maybe like, you know, mm-hmm. I like I love Although, like, when you get to some of them, they stop being, like, overtly, like, campers at camp. And it will just be, like, I'm staying in a cabin on Camp Crystal Lake or whatever. Which I love. Or you're on a boat to New York. Literally. Or you're, like, fucking um, in space. In hell. Um, In hell. You know, anything above and below. Um, Where, like, specifically talking about, like, summer camp horror where it's, like, it's taking place at, like, summer camp where there are counselors and, like, there are either campers or the campers are going to be coming. Like, speaking just on that, 
I think it works really well for me because even like original Friday the 13th, which I love and I think is a staple, obviously it's a genre. Like even that, like, you know, it's a lot of just like not a lot happens until you get mm-hmm. to the very end and it's Alice kind of on her own with Mrs. Voorhees. Um, mm-hmm. But anyways. Yeah, I agree. I think I totally understand why it like hits for you so hard because yeah, it is very like bright and fun to look at. It is the, it is for sure the pinnacle of like that kind of, you know, aesthetic and like just, it it transports you to like being in the eighties and the summer and like playing baseball with your friends and just like being hot and fun and young and flirty. And like, that's all very fun. Um, I think for me, I just wish that the characters had more depth to them because I mean, we've discussed heavily all of the male characters, which I think all of them have problematic personality traits and therefore I'm not like necessarily like rooting for them or like hoping they come back on screen. And then I think on the flip side of that, even though like we do have some scenes where like the women are like, you know, hanging out and talking amongst themselves, most of the women to me are kind of one dimensional where like most of the conversations that the women do have with each other are about the men and about the women's like relationships with the men. Yeah. So like, I just think I need more like heart and foundation from the characters for me to like care about them and for me to have any kind of like connection so that when they do start getting fucking off by Tom Savini I have more of like it has more of an impact for me so you know I think on the surface beautiful like has everything but I needed more like depth to it for me but then again I'm not like a huge summer camp biddy so that could also be part of it I mean, I'm as you know, I'm not ever yeah. in these streets begging for a remake of anything, and I won't even say I'm begging specifically for a remake of The Burning. And I, I think it goes back to me being like, oh, I'll take another Friday the Thirteenth. I don't care. But like, I'm like, I feel like now too, like because of like the Stranger Things of it all. Since then, there's mm-hmm. been this whole thing of like, I need to make an '80s horror period piece or like whatever. Which like some, and as someone that loves that shit, even I can get to a point of saturation where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. we're good. Um, where it's like, but I would love them, whether it's Friday the 13th, it's a remake of The Burning, whether it's something brand fucking new, but like, give them a fucking budget to do it well. Like, give me, like, it's set in the 80s. We've got counselors. We've got campers. We're fucking at 80s summer camp. Someone is slashing. By God, give me the money and I'll do it. I don't give a fuck. Please. Um, I and I would it. do it justice. Um, and I would put mm-hmm. all of my friends in it and I would kill them in the worst possible ways. We'd have the best time. Damn it! Uh, I need to win the lottery now <laughs> so I can make this happen. I'm just, I'm just It just makes spiraling. me want to rewatch um, Final Girls because I feel like that's the most, like, modern... Oh, my God. Yes. I was... I made mention of that. Um... It Final Girls, I mean, is obviously inspired by just like summer camp horror and horror yes. in general. But like, there was definite. It felt like, like, cropsy, like the burning, like inspiration feeling directly from it. Because like in the killer, uh, in the Final Girls, which I can't remember what they call him in that, unfortunately. Um, like when they give the backstory, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, like camper, and he he was another camper when it happened. But like, it's campers like doing this malicious prank on him with like firecrackers, and then mm-hmm. he comes back from you know whatever to like get them. And I think also like there's definitely it feels like in the burning, like the stereotype characters of like you know the like maybe like I, I I guess maybe Sally is like the like the sluttiest one of like I'm gonna have sex for the first time and like blah, blah, blah. and then like um Karen is like the good girl which I feel like mm-hmm. in the final girls is the character that like her mom is playing to a certain degree yeah. where it's like 
oh, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm nervous. I don't want to have sex or whatever. Um, so I feel like there's there has to be, to some degree, inspiration from that. Um, I think definitely also Friday the 13th inspiration for the final girls because of the fact that they kill their killer that then comes back. Um, when mm-hmm. he's like a child or they maim him when he's a child because it's not like a crafty situation where it's like an old man um but yeah no and I, i'm always trying to rewatch the final girls though it's I so love good the final girls so good Ugh. all right well we've we've done a lot of talking um and i feel that the things that are left to say are better left said in the q and slay all right so much I feel like not so much but there's definitely things that we have not touched upon yet that will be touched upon Mm -hmm. now I will start um Alex what is Mm -hmm. your favorite line from the burning sure um this was the one that I think I struggled the most with coming up with an answer just because I for as I said with like the characters I think the dialogue was a little lacking for me and like even the bits that like were supposed to be funny I was like that's not funny um so my favorite line that I wrote down was um an exchange between three of the boys it was fish dave who was played by jason alexander and woodstock they're three of like the main like that group of boys who like are friends with alfred um and they are looking for the canoes and fish says man what the hell are we supposed to be looking for anyway and at the same time in like perfect delivery dave and woodstock both go your mother and i loved that that was really yes. funny it was good. Was I did like that. that. Um, and then they're like, <laughs> we oh my God, time. jinx. I know. And then they make out. Um, in my movie, they would. Um, <laughs> what about you? My favorite line, go figure, is Glazer. And it is when he comes up on the dock. I restrained myself from saying it before. He comes up on the dock. And the first thing he says to all the girls that are just like literally sitting out on the dock, like they're not even like promiscuous. They're just like literally sitting on the dock, just like hanging out. Mm-hmm. Um, he jumps up and he's like, you look like a bunch of mermaids up here. You know that? Which once again, I was like, what a stupid thing. But you know, I would literally eat it up. This dumb fucking like meathead comes up. He's like, you beautiful girls look like mermaids. I'd be like, thank you. I know. So it really like adds to it too. My glazer accent. I don't even know if he yeah. actually talks like that in the movie. No, he does. He fully has like a thick, like New York, Jersey accent. I also have so to make funny. note. At the beginning, this is just killing me at the beginning, after Cropsy is like a prank gone wrong and they cut to the hospital mm-hmm. and there's like, I guess a new doctor on yeah. and then there's like, I don't know an if it's orderly. a male nurse or an orderly, whatever. Yeah. Um, this orderly is trying to like get the doctor to come see Cropsy. He's like, oh, my, you got to see this guy. He looks crazy. And it's so funny because he gets to the burn ward and like the doctor does not want to see it at this point. He's like, he's like, no, I don't want to. And then the two things he says, the the orderly is like, and it's talking about, it literally is like burn ward. He's like, this is where it's at. Like talking about the burn ward. And then he gets in there and he's like, now this is burns. And he just like, he's so excited. It just feels like when you're like listening to a song, they have like the random like ad libs at the top. Like, this is where it's at. Now this DJ is burns. Khaled. Yeah. DJ Khaled. No, 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 no. This is burns. Um, it was killing me. I was like, wow. Mm be so enthusiastic about this poor man that is I, mutilated i did love also i was like not i'm sure in the 80s like it wasn't you know medicine wasn't where it is now but i'm like the fact that this man is not 
A, in a medically induced coma, or B, in one of those, yeah. like, fire tanks that they fucking keep you in when you're, like, burned that bad. And he's just in some kind of, like, tent with, like, his fucking wounds, like, open. Because when he grabs him, he has, like, bandages on. Like, curtain. On his bed. And, like, he has no bandages on his fucking arm where his, like, flesh is peeling off. I'm like, what hospital is this? I know. Terrible. Uh, All right. Anyways. Well, Anya, what yeah. is your favorite kill? My favorite kill is easily the um, raft massacre. Yeah. Um, let's talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about let's let's unpack the raft massacre. Um, I mean, at this point, after they've gone on their canoe trip across, people have already started to die. You know, individually, um, they cuts to the group and they're like, "Oh my god!" Like, we can't find the canoes. They think it's somehow tied to the fact that they can't find Karen, but they're like, "Well, Karen mm-hmm. would not like fuck up the canoes for us." Like. She wouldn't do shit like that. So they're like, whatever, like, we need to split up, we need to look through canoes. And it gets to the point where they're like, we need to get back across before, like, it's nighttime, like, whatever. So they, like, construct a raft very well, like, out of, like, logs. I like the oars they make. Oh, yeah. Did you notice them? The makeshift oars that were in the front. Yeah, because they had, like, Yeah, they're just, like, made of little twigs. It was cool. Yes. It was very impressive. Jeff Probst would be so proud of them on Survivor. (gasps) He would. My king. Literally. I love you, Jeff. Um, Anyways. Uh, this one's for Jeff. Um, also, I would put Jeff Probst in my summer camp horror movie. He would as be you like fucking show. He would be, he would be the, the counselor. owner of the camp. No, oh, yes, the camp, yes, yes, yes. Oh my no, god! No, I have to play an eighteen-year-old counselor. <laughs> no, I have to make him owner of the camp, and then we pull a fucking sleepaway camp where like somebody, maybe me, is sleeping with the owner of the camp. Anyway, that's our Jeff Probst fan fiction. <laughs> I'm about to make it reality, girl. Don't you fucking doubt me. Anyways. Need to stay focused on the raft. Um, so then, like, a few of them go on the raft and a few of them, like, wait. Because they're only going on the raft to, like, try to go out into the water to see if they can find the canoes, like, floating off somewhere. Oh, I thought but they were going raft, back to the other camp. That's what I thought even when I just started to retell it. And then I remembered, like, it's not, yeah. I don't think. Like, okay. if, they, if they are going back to the camp, it's to get canoes, whatever. Because half of them stay. Yes. Because they're like, we don't, we're not going to fit on this raft, whatever. So have them go out. And at one point they see a canoe and they're like, that's one of ours. For some reason, someone's like, no, it's not. Which in my head, I'm like, how would it not be one of yours? Like, who the fuck else is out here with canoes? It's obviously one of your canoes. Shut up. So they go over to it. And who pops up out of the canoe but Cropsy in the iconic shot of like, it's like overhead, the white sun is behind him. He's like got the shears raised and then he just brings them down. And you don't really, I mean, you see some stuff. It's not like if once again, if it was done today where you'd see like the most brutal shit, but it's a lot of like spears raised and then down. And it's like blood trickling off. And like, he kills everybody, boys, mm-hmm. girls. I don't know if there's anything that's, it, it's hard. It's like, it's confusing at some points because like, there's definitely people where you're like, they are a counselor. Like, they've made that clear. Mm-hmm. But then there'll be people that are the same exact age as them, essentially. But they're, like, older campers. So, like, Jason Alexander is a full, like, man in this. He's young. Yeah, but he's, he's just a camper. He's, yeah, exactly. So, like, I think, in theory, everyone on the raft is supposed to be a camper. But of all ages. Yes. Um, And, yeah, crops you just, like, there's a shot of, like, I'm pretty sure the spear's, like, going through somebody's, like, throat. Very, you know. Oh, yeah, Eddie's throat. That's, that's that yes. shot. Um, but yeah, it, it just like, it's one of those things where it's like, it's so sudden. And I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of times in like slashers and in these camp things, like you don't get a lot of like, and I'm going to kill like seven of you like right now all at once. Yeah. It's usually like waiting for someone to get caught or even when it gets to the point in the movie where it's like, we know the killer's out there. Even still, it's like somebody stupidly runs off on their own or somebody gets 
you know, lost from the group and that's how they get killed. It's like getting you one by one. So like, and this is like broad daylight too. It's like in the middle of the sunny mm-hmm. lake. Like, so I think all those elements like make it really unique and fun because it's like, I'm going to kill mm-hmm. all of you right in the sun. And then I think what makes it, which then it has the second like hit later of like, they're wait- like, where are they with this raft? And then all of a sudden the raft comes into view and fucking Jason Alexander, it, this was funny to me because he's, it's like, he's just doing such a fucking shtick where he's like, ah, these fucking jokers, like, okay, you got us. Like, and like, literally it's their massacred, like mutilated bodies just like lying on the raft. And then um, Queen Michelle swims out and discovers that like, mm-hmm they've been killed and then of course the panic ensues and they have to like i think they have to use the same raft to like get back to camp um unless they they build another one but yeah i think i think the moment of it happening is really unique and like fun in the Mm -hmm. sense that you don't see it a lot and then i think the payoff of it later is really great yeah i think that that scene i think the the image of him coming out of the canoe is easily the scariest part of the film um, and it's also just like the most, I think that's a really great shot, but yeah, it, it really lulls you into kind of like a sense of false security in that scene, because like you said, it's middle of the day, there's a group of them that never happens. And but as they're approaching the canoe, you think for sure, like, oh, they're going to find Karen's body. Like he put yeah. Karen's body in one of the canoes, put it on the lake. So you have that like shock of, no, it's not Karen's body. It's him. And, like, that false sense of security of, like, oh, there's a bunch of people with me. I'm not going to get hurt is gone. And now you're in the middle of the fucking lake. Like, how are you going to escape this man? So, like, all of that works so well. And there's a shot of, um, I think it's Woodstock, where he gets his, like, fingers sliced Yes, off. yes, yes, yes. That's the best practical part of the film is when his finger – because he, like, holds it up and he's, like, screaming. And then one of the female uh, campers gets slashed on the forehead – and then, like, they sh- they cut to, like, a shot of her arm hanging out of the raft. And this, yeah. like, the blood trickles down in, like, this one, like, line down her hand into the water. And I thought that was really pretty. I so, like that, yes. Yeah. There's a lot of great moments on the raft. Um, that was my choice as well. But as a backup, I liked Glazer's death, obviously. Um, oh, yeah. Because I think Glazer's death is not necessarily, like, in and of itself that interesting to look at because it, it is essentially just him getting stabbed in the neck with the shears, which is the same way that Eddie dies and, like, at least one other person dies. Like, it is just kind of, like, your standard, like, stabbing. But what I love about it is the way that they filmed it because the Cropsey is hiding in the sleeping bag with Sally's dead body. And so when yeah. Glazer lifts up the sheet to, like, see her – the garden shears come up, get him in the neck, and then it cuts perspectives to you're looking at Glazer as Cropsy holding the shears, and he lifts him off the ground, and as he pushes him towards a tree, like, it's just, like, a very cool camera movement of, like, handheld as he's pushing him up against the tree, and I was like, ooh, look at that. I love that. So that was my that was my backup. Um, yeah, that moment when he kills Glazer, I was so confused because, like, I didn't realize that, like, Cropsy was, like, hiding in the sleeping bag. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, opens it and, like, you feel, like, oh, Karen, or not Karen, like, Sally's dead or whatever. And then, like, the the way the arm comes out, I was like, where did that arm come from? I was like, I'm not going to question I it that it much. twice, too. I know. I was like, I was like where is he? So thank you for clarifying because yeah. I literally was just like, whatever. I'm not going to question it that deeply. I have no idea where it came from. But, um, yeah. all right. Well. If you were in The Burning and you had to have a partner in crime, who would it be and why? There's only one choice for me, and that is Michelle, because she is 
the only character for me that has any kind of depth because she has values and she stands by them and she protects her camp like her her campers and she stands up to her boyfriend when he's not fucking doing enough and she is a badass bitch at the end trying to like fucking save everybody and she's beautiful and I want to be friends with her so I always I will pick Michelle every time yeah Michelle is definitely a solid choice she was an option for me um and obviously who's shocked Glazer is an option for me too but Glazer is fully like I I would want to be like best friends with Michelle or like a counselor aside Michelle and I'd be like yes mm-hmm. on her team the whole time like get this bitch Alfred out of here like Todd isn't my fucking boyfriend. I'll go at him as much as I fucking need to to get this bitch out of here. But I would want Glazer to be, like, obviously obsessed with me. Like, obviously, like, telling me I look like a beautiful mermaid, calling me pretty girl. Like, bitch, I would eat it up like a little parrot. Pretty girl, pretty girl, pretty girl. Um, I would love it. So, um, and also, like, I just, like, simply would not have sex in the woods. Like, I know that's her, that's pretty much her Fair. whole thing in that scene is that, like, she's not saying, I'm not, I don't want to have sex. I just don't want to have sex in the woods. Like, we can't do it here. Someone's going to catch us. Where I'd be like, we're certainly not fucking in the woods. I don't need a tick in my pussy. Thank you. Jesus that was my That's my it nightmare. It is interesting. It's interesting that, like, so many of these slasher films, like, they'll always kill either the couple or the woman after they've had sex because it's the whole thing of like, you can't have premarital sex. You're going to get punished for it. But even the girl that said, no, I'm standing by my boundaries. I'm not having sex with you still gets fucking got. They both get it. No matter what their decision is in the end. I was saying, I was reading something about that where it was like, it is different in the sense of like, yeah, like in in usually movie, it's like so overtly, like you are punished for having sex. Like they're punished if they don't want to have sex, they're punished after they've had sex and mm-hmm. there's no final girl really i mean i guess michelle because but like but she's, she's not really there. not like centered in the it's film the as real a final, final girl. girl i mean even uh, they they play it to be alfred for a while but then even that like it ends up being todd that has the final right. face off with cropsy when cropsy has like a flame that was so funny to me because cropsy he's like in this like mine shaft shed thing and like todd's like got a weapon i don't even remember what the fuck he has um and Cropsy, like, comes around the corner. It's a slower feeling. He's got, like, a flamethrower. He's giving, like, Sigourney Weaver and aliens. And mm-hmm. it's, like, you get to this moment where it's, like, and you're just going to see Cropsy. And then the flamethrower goes dark. And me and Cordelia were joking where it feels like it's, like, Cropsy, like, uh, the flamethrower stopped working. And he's, like, uh, just give me a minute. Like, I- I'm going to go back and go from the top. Uh, just, like, just stay there. Um, but, yeah, it ends up being, like, Todd being this final boy, which, like, could be debated if he deserves it or not because, like, he was one of the people that, like, originally did the prank on Cropsy, which like obviously mm-hmm. ha- didn't have intent to physically harm Cropsy, but did which also we never talked about the fact like where the fuck did they get like this like deteriorating like filthy yeah. maggoty worm skull i don't they know just and i think it. that they have it and i think that they like they kind of try to make it okay that todd did it because they like established that Cropsy is like a really piece of like a big piece of shit he like hurts people for no reason and yeah. this is their attempt to like scare him so bad that he'll stop hurting people and it's like yeah two wrongs baby they don't make a right as they say um but yeah, yeah. me and glazer till the mm-hmm. end girl all right you know, um, i just want to be adored what? i just want to be adored i know you do i know you'll always pick the meathead if he's if he, if he likes women and will call them pretty literally i just want compliments i'm not gonna give you anything 
I will be the worst <laughs> tease, quote unquote, of all. But I want those compliments, uh, girl. Anyways. All right. Original question time. Yes, ma'am. I start? Yes. Okay. Well, this is a very basic question. Um, okay. If Since you were going to be a summer camp counselor, I figured yeah. we would just play a little make-believe. Say okay. you had taken that job. Yes. And you're living your summer camp fantasy and suddenly there is a killer and it is an iconic killer. Who would you rather face off with? Would you rather face off against Cropsy? We have very similar Against Jason Voorhees. Uh-huh. Or against a, ma- uh, a person that we have not discussed before on this podcast, but I know that you've seen the film, uh, Madman Mars from Madman, who is a similar hulking, kind of looks like um, Victor Crowley from like the Hatchet films. Yeah. You know? um, I, I mean, didn't want to pick Angela think- because that would be too easy. She would just oh, – I- She's too I easy. I that bitch. Um, I know. So – you know, Cropsy Jason. There would be Mars. no competition. I would snap Angela like a twig. That's um, why she's not involved. Um, I mean, I've only seen Madman once. I would like to rewatch it. Um, so he's not fresh in my mind, but I do recall, yeah, him hulking and looks like a fucking madman. There's mm-hmm. no fucking. I love Jason, and in my heart of hearts, there's like that would be the most fun. I feel like to be like I'm at Camp Crystal Lake, but I'm not winning against Jason. Like Jason's so fucking terrifying. Like that motherfucker is hulking and like he is innovative he will come Mm -hmm. up with any way under the sun using anything he has to to fucking kill you um i think i'd go with cropsy like if we're on if we're going on like what would be more fun (laughs) if we're going with like what do i think i have a chance to maybe survive cropsy um because cropsy we see is like he's not supernatural I don't remember if Madman Mars is, has any supernatural elements. I but, don't believe he is. Um, he's he's big, but he he doesn't come across to me like hulking. He just looks like a man. Um, he has one weapon that he uses, I guess, other than when he introduces the flamethrower, which he then doesn't really use. Um, it's mm-hmm. more so used against him. Um, and yeah, I, I just feel like I would have a better chance to outlive him because, you know, I'm not trying to fuck in the woods. So that's in my benefit to start with. And um, yeah, I, well, he can just be killed. Like he just gets stabbed and then yeah. they set him on fire and he's dead. And there's no, like, I guess at the end, which I did love this and they're, they're at another campfire and it presumably a different camp. And they're like telling a story again. They're like, and he just picks a random camp and he's going to kill people. And then like the, whatever the guy that's telling the story, he like turns to the camera and like looks breaks the fourth wall and he like says something i don't even know what he says he's like he could be looking at you or he could be coming for you next or whatever so i guess they're implying like he could still be living but Mm -hmm. i don't know you can only get crispy so many fucking times before (laughs) it's just over for you um so i'm gonna go i think survival wise cropsy I'm, i'm picking cropsy yeah i agree i think that jason is just way too massive and like He's he's come back so many times. Like I wouldn't even want to bother trying to go against him. And I he's also literally don't really like remember- been to hell and shit. Like yeah, <laughs> I don't really remember Madman Mars too much. But I had a, a tough time finding a third person to put in here because there's actually not that many slasher films set in a, in a summer camp. And I was like, Angela literally kills half of her people by hitting them on the head with a stick. So like, it's that's a stupid question. Um, but from what I do remember of Madman Mars, he is very much like a similar build of Jason. You know, I think he has an axe. Like he is more of like a physical, uh, you know, 
person that you would have to try to fight against. Whereas Cropsy is literally just like this fucking like little twink who got burnt up. I can take him. Little twink that got burnt <laughs> up? Girl, what the fuck is your definition of a twink? What I know. He's just, like a, he's just like a very skinny, like from when you see him in the first scene, like he looks like he's a very a, like. He's not twink skinny. He, I mean, I don't think that he seems physically imposing to me. Um, I can't also, I, you I do want to mention twink. that I'm both dying. times that Cropsy is on fire, it is some of the worst effects I think I've seen in terms of fire because it is so evident that it is a person in a fire protective outfit with like a helmet on. I kind of love that. I kind of love, like, I want to bring that back. But like in Troll too. Yeah, but bring back a motherfucker running around on fire where you have to hold on them and it's so obviously like he's got like protective gear. Like, I think it's so funny and so fun. I'm like, I don't care. Sure. Whatever. Cropsy had twink death. No, uh, not you on the twink death. What is the fucking tweet? Like, twink test can be so brutal or whatever the fuck it is. You have to put a picture of him before and then him with the burns. I'll put that on our Twitter. Okay, good. And then really, (laughs) so people really know we're fucking morons. Um, I love it. Whatever. I have a similar question, but I guess it's it's more, it's it's slightly different. So my question was, would you rather be a summer camp counselor and it would be in the 80s? Mm-hmm. it's sense like it'd be in the 80s in the sense of like it would have the same vibes and rules and shit like that going on um at camp crystal lake camp arawak from sleepaway mm-hmm. camp one yep. camp rolling hills from sleepaway camp two i couldn't do three because there's no counselors in that one um or camp stone water of the burning so Where would you rather be a camp counselor so take so everything there's is is what? the murder like off the table? Murder is still happening, but also everything else is happening. The vibes are still happening. Like okay. the same kind of people are there. You're gonna wear the same outfits, do the same kind of activities, all of it. Do I need to take into account the killer associated with each place? Yes, I will say that like you can decide whether or not you think that you would be victimized by that killer. I mean, depending on right. the killer of the camp. Like, do you think you would be a target okay. or blah blah? But yeah, take it all into consideration. Okay, let's walk through this. Okay. I don't think I would pick Camp Crystal Lake because at least in the first film, everything happens before the camp is even open. So we don't even really get to see like what that camp experience would really be like. The only time we really get to see it is like from Jason's time when everything was happening, when he was a a camper. So I probably wouldn't pick Camp Crystal Lake, even though that has like the name recognition that I'm like all for. Um, And then Camp Rolling Hills was like fun but I feel like the girls in it were like not really my vibe so I don't know if I'd really want to be friends with them so I don't know if I would pick Rolling Hills so that narrows it down to Arawak and Stonewater it's so tough um hmm I'm gonna go with Camp Arawak because of the short shorts I know because the men yeah the men in Stonewater are still wearing short shorts. Like Jason Alexander is rocking those booty shorts. Absolutely. But and and Glazer on this on that one bit when he's on the raft with the girls, it's literally like oh, in I his know. butthole. I was like, how high are those shorts? You literally can't pull them up anymore. And girl, I was <laughs> slapping it up. I think that the men in Sleepaway Camp are more attractive. Like that yeah. one counselor with the crop top and the hairy tummy and the shorts. I'm going oh, well, purely was, for like, him. 
Oh, well, yeah. Well, then there's also our king that, like, is literally wearing, like, a fucking Speedo the whole time. And I have to yeah. find his exact name because we were we were obsessed with him. Um, yeah, he, they're the, the reason I, uh, I choose Camp Arawak purely. And then maybe I get to wear a big, like, cowboy hat. Oh my god, yeah. Why can I not find his name? You know the exact one I'm talking about. He was like literally wearing like a red Speedo the whole time. Mm-hmm. And like the tightest shirt. Y'all, we can't remember his name, but yeah. He would be, He's he'd be there too. Yeah. King! Yeah, I picked for I Angela. Picked he was so nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm also not picking Camp Crystal Lake because, as you said, like the for as far as we know, like there's not a lot of enjoyment to be had. They definitely go back and have campers. Although I don't remember. They do. There's one where there is. It might be three because four also doesn't really take place at camp camp mm-hmm. or it might be two. I don't remember. There's definitely one of them, um, if not multiple. But then I can't remember. I'm like, do they do a thing where like it's not technically camp or is it like a different name? They name it something else. Um, Probably. Doesn't matter. Um, but I mean, as we know, Jason isn't he's brutalizing everybody. Nobody's getting out of mm-hmm. that one alive. So um and yeah, Camp Arawak, I mean, it, it's very close, I think, because Camp Rolling Hills is also fun, um, but it's like something about Camp Arawak specifically is so beautiful to me and so like, oh, summer camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and for any of the reasons you said, so I feel like it's very close for me between Camp Arawak and Camp Stonewater. Um, but I feel like I would go Camp Stonewater because of the fact that it feels like, I mean, even if I was a counselor, like, it, there's all age ranges of campers mm-hmm. so in general even beyond like i'm trying to make ro- romance or anything but like just like it, it wouldn't just be the same age kids i mean to be fair there's bitches in fucking sleepaway camp that look old as fuck to be campers but <laughs> i feel like more so in camp stonewater um so and yeah and it feels just more like that one feels more like everyone's just vibing like we're just yeah. hanging out there's less like structured activity and you need to be at this place at this time and I love I mean it's no baseball scene in sleepaway camp as we know but you know I did like how it opened on this this huge baseball scene where like everyone's participating everyone's hanging out play in fucking your underwear for all we give a fuck um so yeah I think I would go camp Stonewater would be where I want to be a counselor it's a great choice yeah and you know what I I won't get to live that dream but it's fine Maybe one day. Maybe we'll get to do like an interactive stay at like a summer camp. That would be fun. They have I'm things sure that they have things like that. Where there's um like adult sleepaway camp where you yeah. go and like, you know, you can drink and like you just like play like capture the flag and shit during the day. Like essentially it's like it's like what had American summer except we're not pretending to be like young kids. Um, which I love. I also love I've definitely touched on this too. I love what had American summer. Um and I definitely would love to do it. It's just one of those things where it's like it has to be somewhere where it's like doable for me I would want like you know my friends to come with me and also I feel like with some of those packages like if it's something where it's like well we're including like all the alcohol unless you're paying more for it where I don't drink mm-hmm. so I'm just like I'm not trying to pay all that money when I'm not even going to be partaking in that element of it um but I digress I digress anyways so to wrap it all up now that we've gone through the cue and slay we've got a lot of our system we must um give our ranking overall for the film yes um so alex what are you giving the burning on our scale i give the burning a two and a half so stoner bro slash dumb jock for all of the aforementioned reasons i said before vibes are there character depth is not 
Um, okay, well, um, I'm going to give this a um, solid boy next door, um, a four, um, because, I, I, you know, as I already said, like, I'm a, I think a huge factor is, like, there's definitely a lot of stuff I like in this film, even despite the things that I didn't like, which is why I won't mm-hmm. give it five. Um, but I think also, as we were kind of discovering, I mean, other than, like, I mean, if there's a lot of summer camp horror if you want to I- include every single fucking Friday the 13th. Which, to be fair, as I said mm-hmm. again, like, if we're talking about specifically, like, I am at sleepaway camp, whatever, they're not all that. Um, only mm-hmm. a few of them are. Um, so, there isn't a lot. There isn't a lot of variety. So, I feel like with the the given pool I have currently, which if anybody knows any great ones that I might have not discovered, feel free to fucking message us, tweet us, like, let me fucking know, because I'm always looking for more. Um, but... Um, I think given that, like, I, I just, like, I latch onto it because I'm like, this is maybe one of the only ones we'll ever get. And, like, it's one of the best ones we'll get. So, like, I have to pour so much love into it. So it's a mm-hmm. solid four Boy Next Door for me, um, which might be generous. But you know what? I'm sticking to my guns. Um, to each their own baby. Yeah. yeah. But that is 1981's The Burning. So once again, if you didn't watch the movie and this has really intrigued you, it's on Tubi, Prime, and Paramount Plus for your streaming pleasure. Um, Thank you for joining us for another episode, for our March episode. Um, We've got, after this one, one? Yes, one. One more episode to close out season three. And as per usual, we'll then have probably a nice special episode. at the end of uh, April to conclude season three before we jump right into season four, which, you know, we're still figuring out some Insane. things with that. Yeah, but it'll be fun. Time as is always. flying. Girl, it is. It's just so weird because of the schedule because we don't like episode like one of the season isn't like in January. It's like in yeah. May. So then like my timeline of like we've gotten to a new year, but like we're still in the same season of the podcast. It like confuses me. Um not that it even fucking matters. But anyways, thank you so much for listening, you guys. Uh, it means the world to us. And we hope to have you here next time. And as always, keep it creepy. And remember, Jason Alexander is so hot. I know. George Costanza. Bye. Okay, bye. Hi, creeps. And thank you for listening to another episode of The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. We would not be able to make this podcast, though, completely on our own. And we have some folks that we would love to thank. Um, First and foremost, if you've noticed, we have amazing new artwork. And we have to thank our friend Raymond Lowell, who commissioned it for us. Uh, You can follow him on Instagram and see all this other amazing art at RB Lowell. Uh, Who else, Alex? Uh, We would love to thank, yet again, for another season, our... Lovely friend Nathan Graham, who made our beautiful introduction music, um, and he sings the Girls Who Cried Be Horror. Um, you can follow him at yes. instant underscore grams, like his name. Um, and you can also check out his podcast with our other friend Jonah uh, called The Commonwealth. Yes, all good spooky content. And of course, if you can't get enough of us, we're on social media too. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Girls Who Cried Be Horror, on Twitter at Girls Who Cried BH. And if you really want to write us a whole novella, baby, you can send us an email at the Girls Who Cried Be Horror at gmail.com. We always want to hear your thoughts and opinions and your insight. Uh, And if you want to follow us individually on social media, you're welcome to do that as well. Uh, I am at G-Way Forever. That is G-E-E 
W-A-Y, number four, and then ever on Instagram, at agarity15 on Twitter, and uh, Anya Garrity on Letterboxd if you really want my uh, my film insight. Alex? Yeah, and if you want to check out the uh, three tweets and Instagram posts I do a year, you can check me out uh, at <laughs> Alex Brandley because I'm very basic on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd. It's all the same. I'm just Alex Bradley. <laughs> she makes it easy for you, folks. Yeah. She makes it easy for you. Um, but that's what we have for now, so we'll see you creeps next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. The girls who cried be horror.